Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Michael Ludwig, and White, here on episode 86. Fun fact. Iowa is the first state after the, the, the coronavirus pandemic to actually restart sports. They uh, started softball and baseball today up in, I think, Storm Lake. Uh, June sixteenth, day of day of our recording. It's the first date to do so. So we're looking at an uptick of sports now. Mm-hmm. And like, there are a couple things. ESPN actually wrote an article about high school sports in Iowa, which is not something I thought I would ever say in my life. Um, but yeah, so like, what Iowa does this summer is definitely going to be used in a mo- as the model for high schools going forward into the fall and winter, right? Seeing what works, what doesn't work. Iowa, Iowa is basically a testing ground right now for what might work going forward. And I'm I'm watching closely to see and hoping everything goes well so that uh, we can have high school and college sports in the fall as well with lessons learned from Iowa. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Heck yeah, go Iowa. Yeah, go Iowa. Iowa did something right. Let's go. <laughs> Not that I really care about Iowa. I don't know when the next time I'll even be there is, but anyway. Yeah, same. So Something I do care about and I'm very, very upset at is Major League Baseball. I am very, 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 very upset at Major League Baseball right now. Kyle, before I just get upset, do you want to fill us in on what's happened recently? And then I, can, then I can give some analysis and be upset. Yeah, so what has happened recently is... You know how last week we said, we think this proposal will work? Well, uh, neither side is really operating in good faith right now. Um, Well, I can't necessarily say that from the Players Association's point of view, but um, negotiations aren't going smoothly right now, I I guess is one way that we could put it. Uh, So after that um, June 8th proposal from... The MLB, uh, which we had touched on in last week's episode, that proposal was a 76-game regular season ending by September 27th. Uh, Obviously, compensation was at uh, 75% or 76% of prorated salaries. It was one of those two numbers um, for the players, and that would be a 16-team postseason um, for the 2020 season. 2020 year, uh, the MLB Players Association came back the next day after we had already recorded and posted and said, no, we want an 89-game regular season starting July 10th and going through October 10th, which is past the date, obviously, that the MLB want really wants to play, um, and including having the postseason after that. It does include 16 postseason teams in this proposal for 2020 as well as 2021. And obviously what the Players Association is really after is full prorated salaries for that entire 89 season regular season span, even if they don't uh, have the postseason afterwards. Yeah. The, the two biggest things that uh, the, the, the players were objecting to in the, the owner's proposals here, right, were, first of all, the, the, the fact that 
money isn't guaranteed necessarily if the playoffs aren't happening because under under the normal collective bargaining agreement, right, the players only get played for regular season games and not playoffs, right, because otherwise players who make the playoffs get played more, et cetera, et cetera, right? So the players are saying, why should we bear both the physical and financial risks of a second wave of the of, of the coronavirus, right? Because if the playoffs get canceled, it's going to be because of the second wave of the virus. And the players are already the ones that are exposing themselves to some risk um, by being out there playing. The owners aren't, right? So the players are saying, you know, we're not going to we're not going to take any less whether or not the playoffs happen because that's not our problem. But anyway, basically, after um, MLB came back with their their latest proposal of the 76 regular season games. Um, with 76% compensation. Basically, what the Players Association said is it's obvious that this, these negotiations are going nowhere. And as we talked about last week, remember, the commissioner has the ability to schedule any number of games he wants um, as long as he, the players get fa- paid their full prorated salary. So the union basically said it's obviously negotiations aren't going anywhere. Tell us how many games we're going to play and when and where to show up and let's go. And the commissioner basically said, why, right? This is, this, this is what I'm upset about, right? So less than a week ago, or maybe it was just over a week ago, Rob Manford came out and said, I guarantee 100% sure, for sure, that we will have baseball in 2020. And the players say, okay, schedule a season, Rob Manford. You have the power to do that. Let's schedule a season. And the next day, Rob Manford comes out and says, I can't guarantee that we're going to play baseball this year. Really? The Players Association just said, you can schedule a season. We want to play. Let's go. And you said we're going to have baseball. And now after you have all the power to do so, you come out and say, I'm not sure we're going to have baseball. Right? Rob Manfred, right, is not acting in the best interest of baseball as the commissioner of baseball right now. Right? The duty of the commissioner of baseball is to act in the best interest of baseball, and that is not what Rob Manfred is doing right now. Right, right now, he is basically just trying to, right, he's basically completely 100% on the owner's side, right, and is not caring about the players, and he's not caring about the game of baseball. These arguments back and forth between the players and the union, right, or between the, the union and the owners, sorry, um, is not a good look for the game of baseball. In the current uh, economic climate, the current just general cult climate of America right now, right? this argument is not good optics for baseball. And baseball is, bo- is shedding fans by the day right? with all this argument. right? And Rob Manfred has the opportunity here to bring the sides together, protect the integrity of the game, um, and protect the game of baseball. And he's not doing it, right? Rob Manford, as the commissioner of baseball, should be one of the people who loves the game of baseball the most, right? And it's obvious from the way he is acting right now that he does not love the game of baseball because he would not do this to the game if he loved it. And if there's one thing I can't stand, it's people who are meant and are supposed to love the game and protect the game who act like they don't care about baseball. It is disrespectful to the sport. And baseball deserves more respect than that. They, Rob, I am all on board the fire Rob Manford bandwagon, and I know that won't happen because the owners are the ones that get to decide whether or not um, he gets fired or not, but 
Rob Manfred needs to be fired. He has disrespected the game of baseball for far too long. And this goes back way past just this um, this issue. It goes all the way back to his handling of the Houston Astros scandal. Rob Manfred does not respect the game of baseball, and he needs to be fired. He hasn't really had a great 2020. And another issue that I have with this is everything about these negotiations is literally so public. Um, And I feel like that's what a lot of the players are starting to get frustrated with is so much of this is out in the open and it's starting to make the players look like some of the bad guys when all they're trying to do is get their fair share, what they should deserve rather than what the owners think they need to keep in their pockets. Um, when you look at the how the NFL does these type of agreements and um, when they come to a consensus with their players association, all of it is behind closed doors. You hear a final announcement once stuff has been decided. Whereas here you hear leaks at, like it's just all out in the press and in the public and he he's not doing a good job of getting the two sides together. He's struggling at keeping things um, behind closed doors. And obviously, he doesn't know what the heck he's doing anymore when he comes out and says, yeah, we're going to play. And then, yeah, we're not going to play now. Like, make up your mind. You're you're like some some people that I've been in the car with in a drive through who can't make up their mind. Like, we get to the window, and they're like, ah, oh, man, I didn't want this. It's like, figure it out. Don't change your mind every two seconds. Yeah, right? And the reason this is the biggest issue in baseball, right, like I said, is basically the, the players are saying, the owners are saying, we lose a lot of money if we play without fans. And the players are saying, okay, prove it. And the owners are right, prove it. Show us some, show us your books that say you'll lose money if, right, you'll lose the amount of money you're claiming if we don't play without fans. And then we can, and then we can maybe talk. And the owners are like, no, we don't have to do that. And the players are like, okay, well, what, what's the point of this, right? The players say, prove to us you're actually going to lose money, right? Because if we take a deal that's not full provided salaries, we're losing money. That's obvious. So show us that you, how much money you are actually going to lose if we take, if we, uh, if we get full prorated salary per each game, and maybe we can talk about a compromise. But the owners are, right, are basically, right, the owners are refusing to do that, right? The only MLB team that's actually owned publicly um, is the Atlanta Braves, right? So the Atlanta Braves are the only team that is legally obligated to um, reveal their their books, right, to, to talk about their profits, et cetera, Right. And basically, if you look at what the owners report for profits and just compare it to the Braves, right, it doesn't make sense. So, for example, um, the MLB claims that the total profits um, from the collective teams have never been more than $100 million over the last for any individual year over the last 10 years. But the Atlanta Braves themselves reported something like $20 million of profit in 2018. So you mean to tell me that one team made $20 million in 2018 and the rest of them combined to, and the other 29 combined to make, right, the, the, combined to make less than $80 million. The numbers MLB gives don't make sense, and the players are basically saying, we're not negotiating until you prove it. 
and Rob Banford is botching this entire thing and killing the sport and deserves to be fired. And you say you say killing the sport. This this takes it back to when back when baseball was the biggest sport in America. Way back in what what like we're going back to the 1930s. Back before football was super popular, baseball had the opportunity this year to be the first sport back. The most watched sport on television right now. The ability for people to fall in love all over again with the game of baseball. And now it's just completely botched because of one guy's inability to actually run a league like a competent individual that he was brought on to do. I I just don't understand how you can screw up something that bad. But Yeah, it's baseball is a baseball is a disaster right now. I miss baseball thought, so much. We thought Roger Goodell looked looked awful in his position. And yet now he's starting to look like the best commissioner ever compared to this lunatic. Yeah. You remember, right? So remember when all of these proposals started coming out? And do you know what date we said the players would be back in spring training? We said June tenth. Oh, June tenth. No, we said 10th. spring training on June tenth and July fourth to start the season, right? Uh, it's June sixteenth, and we ain't in spring training. That's how bad the MLB has botched this. They came out with a proposed schedule, and they aren't even close to an agreement. Six days after spring training was supposed to start in that schedule, the MLB has just botched this at every turn. It's it's a disaster. Anyway, I've I've yelled enough about Rob Manfred. I've yelled you enough. Digress about Rob now. I do digress, but I'll probably get back on this next week because there'll probably be more things that get me frustrated within the next week. So we'll probably have to talk about this again next week, and I'll probably get upset again. Well, so speaking of things that we talked about last week, uh, we have some more developments. Um, this time on the hardwood. Uh, so. As of last week, we did announce that the NBA was had official reopening plans, um, but some of the details weren't announced completely, um, and now they have surfaced. So it, it the NBA is coming back, but they are allowing their players time to make a decision if they are going to play or not. Uh, so the NBA has given players a deadline of June 24th, Uh, to make a decision on whether or not they're going to play out the 2019-2020 regular season when it returns in late July or not. Uh, So if these players notify their teams that they are not planning on playing and they are not part of a bracket deemed as excused, I'll get into that in a second, their pay will be reduced by 1 out of 92.6 for each game missed. So they will only make that amount of money of what they were supposed originally supposed to make, which is a pretty small number. So when I talk about excused, it's much it's similar to how maybe your excused absence worked when you were in grade school. Uh, these uh, some protected players or excused players. There are two categories for non-participating NBA players when they re- uh, reopen where they can not have their salary reduced. Obviously, they have to be um, believed to be at higher risk for severe illness from uh, COVID uh, by doctors and experts from the team. 
they actually get one extra day to um, announce their excused absence from the team, and they will not be not have their salary reduced. And they will not be forced to uh, return to the teams. So the NBA players have been informed that anyone who leaves the Orlando campus at all during the season, when they return, they are subject to a 10 to 14 day self-quarantine, a reduction in compensation for those games missed, which makes sense. And also they will have increased testing for those those players who do decide to travel. So pretty much once the NBA resumes, they are pretty much trying to keep you there in this compound until they are done with the until your team is done or until the remainder of the season is completed. So that is it for that is all we have for the NBA, unless you have anything else, Mike. Nope. I'm I'm, I'm actually have to watch some NBA if we uh if we do, if they start first. So, well, I, I may watch some NBA basketball. I know what I'm going to be watching if this time does come and it's still able to happen. There is some news coming from the Grand Slam tournaments in tennis that I am excited about because I love, I love tennis. So, uh, we will most likely now see two Grand Slam tournaments before the end of the calendar year. Uh, obviously, there are supposed to be four in a season. The Australian Open already played. Wimbledon has officially been canceled for the rest of the year, which you're at. You're probably wondering, well, what's left? I got you. So the U.S. Open will be held as originally scheduled without fans in attendance. Uh, the U.S. Open is held in New York City. August 31st through September 13th. Now, there are some stipulations um, in some recent meetings. Uh, they're discussing what they're going to do, what the tournament is going to look like, how they're going to have to change some things. And I'll get to what um, the French Open has announced here in a second because they'll probably follow a very similar format. Um, but the U.S. Open will start at the end of August, run through September, but it is it is up to government discretion uh, whether or not there is approval to actually have this happen. They, they got um, approval they, just today. To oh, they happen. did? So, yeah. Barring, yeah. barring any major setbacks in New York, they do have – Governor Cuomo did approve the U.S. tennis yeah. tournament. And so, the US Open tennis so tournament. barring any – you say that barring any major setbacks in New York, New York has a lot of their own issues going on right now. So that – that obviously might not be the best place for them to play, but as of right now, they are still planning to move forward in New York City. And then I mentioned the French Open. So the French Open is set to resume September 20th. The one thing I did find very interesting about this is it's not necessarily adhering to the everything that we've heard, the 10 to 14 day self-quarantine Um Things because the French Open will resume only uh, seven days after the U.S. Open uh, is set to finish. Um, so obviously that doesn't impact all the players in the field um, because as you get toward to the end of the tournament, it's only really you're only really worrying about 20 to 32 players in total in the grand scheme of things. But the French Open is set to resume September 20th through October 4th. 
in Paris. Um, a couple notes on this. The men's singles bracket has already been cut uh, to 96 players from the original 128 that are in the field. Uh, the women's bracket already has 96, so this might be a format that they're switching to um, from here on out. We'll see. Uh, but one another big note is that mixed doubles has already been removed from the tournament. Uh, it's to just alleviate space uh, and court necessity, um, elongate the times in between matches, as well as removing the uh, cross-contamination between the men's and the women's brackets um, for potential spread of the virus. So that is that. I am super excited for tennis to return. Um, although some players have already come out and say, well, obviously Roger Federer is not going to be able to play because he just had knee surgery. Uh, but Rafa Nadal is con has voiced concern about playing in the U.S. Open, but it sounds like he is going gung-ho for the French Open. So, Yeah, so if, so you, you definitely mentioned the, the, the proximity and date of the two tournaments as yeah. far as, you know, COVID is concerned. Have you heard any players, how the players feel about playing two majors basically back-to-back -back like that? What have the players been saying about uh, that as far as you've heard? Rumors that I've heard from mainly from Twitter on initial player reactions are, well, especially the, it sounds like Rafa will probably choose one or the other. And it's most likely that he's going to choose his most favorite court in the entire um, Grand Slam tournament, yeah. the clay court in Paris. Play on clay. Um, so it seems kind of what I'm feeling like might happen is some of the players who are, um, not ranked as highly in the tour, in the tournament, those players might play both tournaments, depending on how quickly they get ousted in um, the U.S. Open. But maybe some of the uh, more major players, your Novak Djokovic, your Dominic Team, your uh, Rafa Nadal, uh, Stan Wawrinka, they might pick and choose which tournament they want to play in. So we might see a much different looking field um, for each tournament this season. And we might not even see some of the bigger names at the U S open. Anyway, we might have a winner that we haven't really heard of before at the U S open. So it'll be very interesting to see how the players continue to evolve and react. I feel like a lot of the players really want to see where, um, New York is at when this time approaches, since New York has been one of the most, one of the hottest spots or hotbeds for the virus as it stands like throughout this entire pandemic, once the U S started to see more and more cases. So obviously that's due to population, but we'll see how the players continue to react and evolve as the situation progresses into August. Yeah. I'd watch tennis at this point. I'd watch most any, sport at this point as long as it was on at a decent hour unlike Korean baseball which is on in the middle of the night and I'm not or, up in the middle of the night or the Australia or like the Australian rugby league yeah like I'll, I'll go watch some town ball like town ball up in Stearns County the town ball leagues in Minnesota just defied the governor's order that they can't play baseball and said we're playing baseball so there's some baseball in Minnesota too town ball a Minnesota baseball tradition it's great 
Town Ball is great. You should check it out. Anyway, that's off topic. Were you done talking about tennis, Kyle? I am. That's all I had. Okay. I'm just very sad that Wimbledon's not going to happen this year, but, you know. Yeah. At least we'll have some tennis. There's been a lot of sad this year. A lot of sports sad this year. It's very sad. But you know what's not sad? Do you know what is never sad, Kyle? Your rules? Mike's stupid rules. Mike's stupid rules are never I mean, sad. It's, it's never so. sad, but sometimes it's annoying. No, it is never annoying. It is never sad. It is the best but thing. But you didn't done. say annoying originally. You just said never sad. Never sad. It's never annoying. It is the best segment on this podcast, week in and week out. And we are going to bring you another instance of it this week. And we are going to continue with our theme of doing this about more obscure Olympic sports. And this week, we are going to talk about the sport of fencing and how it uh, it exists in the Olympics. So, actually, there are three different types of of fencing in the Olympics, right? So what? Chain chain link, uh, cedar, wrought iron, picket. Yeah. No, wrong type of fencing. It's it's fencing like sword fighting, not fencing like putting up a fence. Oh, that's a thing. I would much rather watch sword fighting than somebody putting up a fence. I don't know about you, but. Maybe I don't know. At this point, I'd watch almost anything. You'd watch people competing to put up a fence at this point. Yeah, that actually seems kind of cool. Like, like a like a DIY game. The DIY games, like doing stuff like that. Yeah. Whoever How quickly can, can you frame a house? Yeah. Whoever can you whoever can change the oil on their car, put up a fence, and uh, cut down a tree first wins. Yeah, the triathlon. Like a, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, not what I meant by fencing. Not what you can come up with the rule. If you come up with the rules for a competition like that, you can take the stupid rules segment next week and, and talk about it. But for now, I'm going to talk about the Olympic sport of fencing, like sword fighting. And there are three different events. They are called the foil, the epe, and the saber, right? So essentially, the, the difference between. Well, I guess I'll get into what the basics of fencing, and then I'll get into the, the specifics of the three events. So basically in fencing, you are essentially um, one-on-one with your opponent, and essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to earn a touch. Earning a touch on your opponent, um, you know, touching them with your sword, right, is worth um, one point. And um, essentially it is played over the course of three rounds, um, three three-minute periods, and the winner is the first to reach 15 points, or whoever has the most points when time runs out. Um, yeah, I guess that's the case for foil and epee and saber. It's only two periods, and you're playing till eight points instead of 15 points. Now, the difference between the 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 biggest difference between the three is what constitutes a touch, right? So remember, I said you earn a point for a touch. Um, so you only get a touch if you hit the if you touch your opponent with your sword in the valid target area. So for for foil, that is any part of the torso, including the back. So the torso or the back um, counts as a valid touch for a point. In epe, it is the entire body. So anywhere on your body, head, face, toes, anywhere, 
anywhere an epee is a valid touch. And in saber, it's the torso plus the head and arms. So basically anything above the waist in, um, in saber is a valid touch. Um, to keep score, since a lot of times fencing is moving too fast for a human to actually see what's uh, happening and who got a valid touch and who did it first, they use electronic scoring. So basically, um, if you, you touch them, right, your sword is hooked up to their suit. And so you know, if you touch them, a light lights up. And whoever's light lights up first is the, the person who gets the point. In case, you know, there's two touches right after each other, whoever gets it first gets the point, And then you reset and go again. Um, yep. And basically, that's, yeah, that's basically it. That's how, that's how fencing works. You, you slap each other with swords until you get to 15 points or 8 points, depending on the type. Does that make sense? Any questions about fencing I can answer? Well, I don't know how many questions you can answer since you said before the podcast you did your one-minute read on fencing. Hey. I've read a very in-depth article about fencing from the Tokyo2020.org. Ah, so seems it's, legit. It's official. So, uh, let's go right to a write that down predictions segment. Do we have anything off the board yet? This week? We don't. We had the three things we took off the board last week. Nothing new has developed since then, so we have nothing in our accountability session. is uh, put new things up on the board. Kyle, want to lead us off? Yeah, so this week, since I'm all on the tennis hype train, I'm going to predict that Rafa Nadal is going to win the French Open. I'm, I'm into it. Win. I like that. Um... He is going to win the whole thing, not just win a, win a couple matches. He's going to win the whole thing, obviously. What are you thinking? Triple or double, Wyatt? Yes. Eh. I'm not a tennis expert. I'm also not a tennis expert. I mean, the competition won't be as high as it was, um, would be in a normal year, but there is also the chance that it gets canceled. Uh, or it what gets you... canceled even like halfway through, too. Yeah. What were or you... there's what... the chance that he decides not to even play. Mm-hmm. What were you hoping for, Kyle? Either a triple or a home run. You ain't getting a home run. No way. Okay. Triple, then. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with a triple. It's definitely not a double, in my opinion. There is no chance of it getting canceled. I feel like that'd be a double. But I guess if you consider the fact that it could be canceled and or... Yeah, I'm fine with a triple. I think we can I think we can go with a triple for that. Um, My prediction... Um, is going to be that I'm going to be going on a vacation here in a couple of weeks, which means I'll be golfing, which any of you who know my golf stories know that I don't golf very well. In fact, two out of the last three times I've gone real golfing, I've hit my opening drive off my shin. My own shin. My drive off my own shin. Uh, so my prediction is that when golfing here, I will not get hit by a golf ball, hit by me or anybody else. will not get hit by any golf balls. Whoever is going on vacation with Mike, please, just for the love of God, just hit him and send us a video of it. I don't think any of the people I'll be golfing with would be good enough at golf to hit me if they were trying. So, 
Um, what do you think you want to give this, Kyle? I don't have a lot of faith in Mike's newfound rule that he needs to stand far enough from or farther away from the ball to not hit himself with it. I don't. I just don't have a lot of confidence that he's gonna go through on that because I think he's gonna go up. The adrenaline's gonna get to pumping, and he's just gonna huck it off of his own shin again, or shank it off of his own shin again. Uh, double, maybe. I was thinking double because, because I, I, I want to see it. Are you <laughs> are you playing nine or eighteen? Eighteen, I think. Yeah, double. It, he's gonna hit himself. All right. We will take the double. I'll take the double. I was assuming I'd only get a single for that, so I'll definitely take the double. I'm going to predict that the Cleveland Browns, the the football team, as if there's any other Cleveland Browns, will win 50% or more of their games in this next NFL season, which they have not in at least the last five years. Uh, I I didn't look any further than that. That's that's very conservative predicting there, right? Since you said 50% of their games and not more than eight games. You're giving yourself some buffer there in case the NFL loses some games in here. You betcha. That changes some things. That does um, change some things. What do you think? Well, first here? of all, they're playing in a, in a tough division with the Baltimore Ravens being good and the, I would assume – the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be better with big with Ben Roethlisberger back at quarterback as opposed to whoever they threw out there last year. Mason Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, but you got hit in the head yeah. with the helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Or then Duck Hodges or whatever, whoever his name was, the Duck. So, uh, I don't know. Triple? Triple, maybe? I'm fine with a triple. I guess we could go and look up what their schedule ranking is. I mean, you know what I think about preseason strength of schedules in the NFL. There's so much parity in the NFL that a preseason strength of schedule gas is just that, a gas. It's meaningless. Yeah, that's fair. You, you, you suspect that there'll be four or five teams that'll be really good, and there'll be four or five teams that'll really suck, and outside of that, you have no idea what the other, what does that leave, 22 teams are going to look like. So it's so hard to do a through a strength of schedule. Yep. I'm fine with a triple. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Did hear from Josh. He's still doing good. His parents are getting a new dog. He's excited about that. Um, but he said he does have no prediction this week. Not, nothing this week from Josh. Good to hear that he's doing well. Well, since we have all of our predictions up on the board, that means we're at the conclusion of the Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 86 of the 83 Love Cat. Kyle Mersch. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.